and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. Tonight, I'm going to talk about, with the help of the Spirit and by His direction, a very challenging subject that will challenge you, and that's okay. We need to be challenged because where there is no challenge, there is no growth. Any of you ever worked out before that one time? <laughs> Uh, But if you go and you try to work out physically and you never challenge yourself physically, how much growth will you have? Um, Where there is challenge, there is growth. And for me, two Hallmark chapters uh, are Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12. And we love Hebrews 11, which is the great faith chapter. But Hebrews 12 is the great discipline chapter. And in Hebrews 12, it instructs us, you won't, you will not, you will not run your race. You will not finish your course unless you lay down weights and sins that so easily beset you. And you've got to do that with with discipline, almost with ruthlessness. And so with the help of the Spirit, uh, I want to get to that because it's time. Um, I was at uh, Brother Mark Hankins' meetings earlier this year, and Lynn Hammond said something. She said this, this phrase, and it's been with me the whole year because it ties to the Emerge tagline. But it's this, Jacob can't be Jacob any longer. Jacob can't be Jacob any longer. And Jacob had a moment where he knew, I can't keep going this way. If I do, I'll miss out on my high calling. We see everything going on with Israel now. Israel's not a place, it's a person. Jacob knew in and of himself, something needed to change. And if it doesn't change, if it doesn't emerge, it'll have consequences, not just for him, but for everybody around him, but for whole people. And there are things that need to emerge out of me. There are things that need to emerge, honestly, out of this church. There are things that need to emerge out of you and out of your church. And out of your ministries. But Jacob can't be Jacob any longer. There needs to be a wrestle with the Lord. And the blessing that the Lord gives you is not a change of circumstance. That's what we want him to change. It's not a change of circumstance. We care about circumstance. We care about, and we said that last night, the work. God cares about the worker. I will not let go, Jacob said, until you bless me. 
And how did the Lord bless him? He changed him. You will no longer be Jacob. From now on, you are Israel. For a prince with God and a prince with man, I have made you. But it came through the wrestle. And many of you are at a season where you've been wrestling with a circumstance and God wants you to wrestle with him. Because when the worker is ready, the work will appear. But the work will not appear until the worker is ready. Joseph, the work will not appear until the worker is ready. And you will learn what you need to learn in Potiphar's house, and you will learn what you need to learn in the prison. God could have given Pharaoh that dream anytime. Joseph was in prison for three years until Pharaoh had a dream. The dream released him, and then he emerged into his high calling. Up till then, he had seen uh, figments of his high calling, moments and glimpses of it. He had seen his high calling in Potiphar, glimpses of it, Potiphar giving him authority over his house. And then he emerged uh, through a, a really tough time in a prison. He's in a prison, but his calling emerges even there. In a prison, now he has authority. He's ruling and reigning, but it's still not his high calling. And God waits three years uh, to break him out of that. He gives Pharaoh a dream, and when Pharaoh has a dream, the butler remembers it. Joseph can interpret this, and as soon as he does, he's out and he's in it. Just like Jesus, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, on the scene, in the high calling. And for so many of you, you are, I sense it by the spirit of the living God. You are there. Like you are right on the cusp of it. We said it today in the session. Like you take water that's hot, one degree boiling. And like some of us are one degree away from an overflow of what God is doing in our life and ministry. Like one degree away. But it's these big doors that swing on these little hinges. And there's these little things that the Lord is trying to address in our hearts and in our lives. And that's what these night sessions are about. It's, it's surgery by the spirit of the living God. Uh, Jesus is our case study. Success leaves clues. Jesus is our case study on emergence. Stepping into a high calling. Uh, Jesus, for 30 years on the planet, was a carpenter. And in a moment, he steps out, and news is going out all around him. He has emerged. He has stepped out of the shadows and into the light. He has become from obscure to prominent. Um, everyone's talking about his ministry. Uh, everyone is going to his meetings. Everyone is seeing miracles come through his hands. It is Every bit of amazing. Uh, the work is working. And by the hand of the Spirit of the Lord, when he touches it, it's blessed. And it was a sudden thing. He emerged very quickly. And many of you, I, I'm, I'm, I just see it in my heart of like going from night to day like that. Like from one place into the next like that. Like quick work. And out of that, Jesus is our case study for that. And we said the first thing that he did was he allowed being in the river to be enough for him. 
to just be with the Father, to be pleasing unto the Father, to have eyes on the Father, that Jesus was not trying to obtain success for some type of personal fulfillment or to outdo John. The the motivator for Jesus was simply obedience. It didn't mean what the world wants it to mean. It was just the Father wants me to do this. I don't do my own work. I'm not trying to do this to to just say we did it or to post it on Instagram. Like anything that I'm doing is I'm doing it because the Lord said so, period. And I don't find fulfillment in this. I find fulfillment in him. The second thing we see, though, is that after this moment of being in the river where the father is telling him, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, placing his spirit upon him. He's operating from this place of love. He's operating from this place of empowerment. The Holy Spirit then does something. And this is the work of the spirit in his own life. And this is critical because I had this thought come up in my prayer time today that I've never really had before. It's real simple, but I've never really had it before in, in regards to the scripture. And let's look at it. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. This is after Jesus has come out of the river. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. And I love that. Notice what being in the river does. It means you're full of the Holy Spirit. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, the thing you're about to wrestle with is easy for you. When you're not filled with the Holy Spirit and you're only... Jacob tried to change his flesh once without wrestling with God. You remember how well that worked? There was a moment in Jacob's life, listen to me, there was a moment in Jacob's life where he knew Jacob couldn't be Jacob. He always had a sense, a knowing, I need to change. And one time he tried to do it by the flesh to become his brother. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. He's, he's talking to me right now. He tried to become his brother. He saw something on his brother that was about to be a blessing. And so he thought in his heart he had to become that. And for some of us, we look at what's going on in somebody else's ministry and we think to be blessed, we've got to become that. And so we put on their armor. We, put on, we, we tie on the goat skin to be as hairy as Esau. And hopes that the Father will bless us when we take on their method. But it was not a blessing to him. Because he did it by the flesh and it hurt him. But he had this knowing, I need to shift. But he tried to do it by the flesh and not by the spirit. And finally, when he came to the end of himself and he began to confront who he was, not with the flesh, but by the spirit and find his identity from God and not through comparison, finding his identity through God and not what he saw from another man, finding his identity from the wrestle with the Lord and not what he saw in someone else's life, that out of that, through that wrestle, God turned him into who God wanted him to be. And it became easy for him. And immediately the blessing of the Lord hit his life. There was restoration with Esau. There's just this beautiful moment in scripture where the blessing of the Lord is like establishing literally a nation that exists today. But it happened by the spirit, not by the flesh. And that's what being full of the spirit is, is you're taking the time before I'm anything today, I'm filled with the spirit. 
I'm in the river. I'm talking with the Father. I'm being blessed by the Father. I'm walking with him. I know him. He's speaking to me and, and letting that be enough. But watch where the Lord takes him from this place of being full. So being full equals being led. And I love, I forget who's the first preacher who told me to do that, but drawing the connection between being full and being led. That if I want to be led, I need to be full. That whatever I'm full of, I'm led by. Whatever you're full of, you keep watching ESPN, you'll be led by it. You'll check it all the time. You get on eBay, you're full of it, full of eBay, you'll check it all the time. Whatever you're full of, you're led by. For 40 days, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. 40 days, tempted by the devil, he eats nothing. During those days, uh, when they had ended, he became hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, you know the story. Tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered unto him, man shall not live by bread alone, quoting Deuteronomy 8 and 3. And he led him up and show him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, I will give you this domain and the glory thereof, for it has been handed over to me and I give it to whomever I want. Therefore, if you worship me, it'll be yours. And Jesus answered and said, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Deuteronomy 6.13. Jesus liked Deuteronomy. Because every time he answered, it was out of Deuteronomy. And he let, maybe you ought to read Deuteronomy. And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for here for it is written. He will command his angels concerning. Now the devil's quoting Psalms 91. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you and in their hands, they will bear you up so that you're, you're, you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him out of Deuteronomy six sixteen, you shall not put the Lord to the test. And when the devil had finished every temptation, he left him. Now watch this in verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the spirit and his emergence started. His emergence started with the power of the spirit and your emergence. We said that last night. It's not the jawbone. You need a fresh jawbone. You don't want to swing uh, a broken down one. It'll break with the first enemy. You need fresh stuff, fresh strategies. You need a fresh jawbone, but it's the spirit of the Lord on that that makes the difference. And it was the spirit of the Lord on Jesus that issued forth his emergence. Now, but here's the thing that I saw today that I'd never really seen before. I never really had this thought. It's simple. It's not complicated. But how did, how did Luke know that? Mark tells the story. How did Mark know that? Jesus was alone. So how did they know that? He did what? He told it to him. Now, he is telling Luke and others... Uh, he's telling his disciples, let me tell you when the power of the Lord came on me. It came on me when I was in the river, the Holy Spirit came upon me, and then the Spirit led me into the wilderness. And when I was in the wilderness, my secret life was tested before my public ministry was manifested. My secret life was tested before my public ministry was manifested. And this is point number two. God's looking at your secret life. 
You're looking at your public ministry. God's looking at my secret life. He looks at the hidden man of the heart. The hidden woman of the heart. See, God has to have a reason as to why he did what he did through Jesus. God had to have have a reason as to why he did what he did with Abraham. You remember with Abraham, he tested him in secret. He asked for his son. And then once he offered his son, what did the Lord tell him? Because you have done this thing and not withheld your only son in blessing, I will bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply you. He tested him in secret. Uh, what did Jesus tell us three times? And let's go over and look at it for fun. They don't have this on the screens. This is just for fun. It's not pre-programmed. But watch this in Matthew. I want you to see a theme. Matthew chapter 6. You, you've read this before, preached on it many times, I'm sure. But I want you to see it here. Matthew 6. And look at verse number 4. Matthew 6 and 4. So that your giving will be done in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now notice that statement. The father who sees what is done in secret will reward you, and that connotation is openly. Your secret devotion equals your public promotion. Verse 6, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Notice that statement again. Your Father, who sees the secret life, will reward you. Keep going in in scripture and let's go to verse number 18. So that your fasting will be not, not noticed by men, but your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done, the father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Three times Jesus is talking about your secret life having everything to do with the father's power in your public one. He's teaching his disciples, you know when my ministry started? It started when I was in that river. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord come on me. I was praying in the river, and the Holy Spirit came upon me. When he did, the Father spoke over me. I was so filled with the Spirit. From that place of being filled, I was led by the Spirit into a secret place where for 40 days no one saw my temptation. No one saw what the enemy was trying to get me to do. No no one saw what I was refusing. But the father who sees in secret rewarded openly. And the power of the spirit came upon me and news about me went everywhere. The devil wants to convince you that what you are doing in secret will not affect you openly. Both ways. That the stuff that you're doing in secret is not affecting your public life at all. Um, Meaning 
the things he's trying to get you to do in secret, it won't hurt you. Samson, it won't hurt you. It's done in secret. No one knows. It'll be fine. David, it's done in secret. Nobody knows. It will not manifest in your public life. It'll be fine. But on the flip side of that, your private devotion, he wants to try to convince you it is not doing anything. And I'm here to tell you, it's doing more than you know. The father who sees you in secret, you are not wasting time in the river. You are not wasting time talking to God. You're not wasting time giving like you're giving. You are not wasting time confessing like you're confessing. You are not wasting time in the river. The father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. He will reward you. It will add up. It will matter. You can't wrestle with him and not have a blessing. Like you get with God in that way, something will break out of you. Jacob will change. Something will emerge in due time. In due time. It will emerge in due time. But due time is coming. And when that due time does come, we need to be ready for it. And what gets us ready for it? Your father who sees you in secret, will reward you openly. Um, Every person in here, uh, in ministry, and really all of us, we have a front stage self and a backstage self. Front stage and backstage. Your front stage is your hero, your backstage is your human. And you know what it's like, I got to turn off human again to turn on hero. Is it Sunday again? It's Sunday already? Turn on hero. Uh, and we come to these places where we're turning on hero constantly. In ministry, another service, another message, another moment, turn on hero. Another staff meeting, turn on hero. Another moment of direction, turn on hero. And we care about the hero. And let me just help you. Everybody in here has seen each other's hero in this meeting. Because even when we're shaking hands and talking to each other, seldom do we ever allow you to see the human. Uh, We show you the front stage self that we're, we're used to, especially in ministry, showing everybody. But there is a backstage self that is the hidden man of the heart. It's who you really are. And the Lord looks past the front stage. He looks past the image that's on Sunday morning. And he looks at the backstage you. And what happens when we're unhealthy is we get into image management. Where there's a big gap between our hero and our human. And we're the hero in the hollow place like Samson is. Slain thousands but dying. Slay thousands, but empty. Slay thousands, but my victories are shallow. And God is looking in this hour for vessels who are surrendered to his hand, who are looking at the backstage self more than the front stage. And and coming to this place of looking at men and women who are choosing to be humble underneath his hand and yielded to his direction. 
Samson loved the very thing that was killing him. And God kept trying to rescue him from it. Because he'll work with you as long as he can with Lot in your life. My father wrote a journal. And in it, one of the lines that I talk and preach about all the time is he's talking about Abraham. And, you know, God told Abraham, separate from your family. What a, what a command that is. And he did, for the most part, but took Lot with him. And God blessed him as much as he could with Lot in his life. But I want you to notice something. They'll put it up on the screen. The book of Genesis 13 and 14. Watch this. Genesis 13 and 14. If you can put it up on the screens for me. The Lord said to Abraham... Watch, after Lot had separated from him. Now, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward. For everything that you see, now I'll be able to give it to you. Meaning, there were things I couldn't give to you with Lot still in your life. But as soon as you address Lot, I took you as far as I could take you with Lot still there. But now that Lot has been addressed and dealt with, now every place you have seen, I will put it into your hand. But he couldn't do it with Lot still there. And my father wrote in his journal, it's the lots in life that keep us from the big things of God. Jesus pulls his disciples together. Let me tell you when the power started. Let me tell you when the emergence happened. I was in the river praying. The Spirit of God came on me. I got so filled with the Spirit that I became led by Him, and He led me to a secret life. In in my life, there are moments where I have sensed the grace of God causing an emergence, like genuinely. In a moment and twinkling of an eye, everything changing. Um, I named one of those today in the early session um, uh, for two and a half years, struggling, attendance being cut in half. Every problem you could have as a pastor had it. I mean, from a visitor problem to a financial problem to a membership problem to an organizational problem to every single department not being what needed it needed to be, everything needed overhaul, not having a location that you know was conducive for church growth, all of those kinds of things. And the Lord, with his mighty hand, made us emerge. We have seen plateaus uh, and the Lord's grace pushed us past those things. We have seen buildings given to us. We have seen when those buildings given to us, blockers. Things that no matter how hard we tried with all of our best systems to break through, it's there. And with each time... There has been a grace. He gives more grace. Grace is the quality of God that makes something easy. And if it's not easy, something is wrong. And oftentimes, it's not something in the public one. When something is wrong and we're not seeing progress, we address all of this stuff. We address the work, or we go to work, or we find new people who can do the work. And we're looking out here because we think like the world. And so like Jacob, what we do is we go find an Esau who's getting the blessing. And we start changing all these things out here because we think it's what's out here that really needs to change. 
And so let me go find Esau and find like, okay, oh, you put that? Okay, okay. Well, I'm not that. And that's not even who I am according to my individual grace. But I'll try to become that. And I'll go to this and I'll go to this and like, I'll become who you are. And, and these types of things, because when it's not working out here, we just go more to work. And like uh, uh, Martha, we address the house. But there is one thing that is needful, because oftentimes it's not the work, it's the worker. There's something in my heart that's not submitted. And so uh, for the first time and and that, you know, case when it was terrible and like everything was going wrong, I had major things in my heart that I did not see that the work of the spirit had to show me. And until I fixed those things in secret, the Lord could not do what he needed to do in public. I was filled with pride, unforgiveness. Most sins of the flesh have never been my thing, but the sins of the heart. Pride's a big one. But until the Lord addressed that, there would be no progress in spite of the call on my life for it. But I had one come up in my heart today because it tied into what the Spirit wants to do uh, tonight, part of what he wants to do. When we open phase one, so our morning sessions are at our Lakeland campus. We have phase two and phase one. Phase one um, we had the land and the parking already put in. That was around $3 million. And then we built a facility that was like 8.2, and then we furnished it uh, a little bit, which made it a little closer to 9. So in all in all, about $12 million facility. We opened it up, and uh, it's going great. Like on the outside, it was completely different than, you know, uh, where I started. When I started, it was bad. Uh, but so everything's going good but I'm kind of like the hero in the hollow place of you're seeing things being added and it's like people are looking at it and it's like heaps and heaps. But I, I know I'm thirsty. And I can feel resistance. I can sense it. And I knew something spiritually is off in me. Um, Brother Hagen in his book, Fresh Anointing, I was reading that today. And he talked about uh, Jeremiah 2, empty cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And he, he said there are moments, and he listed a couple of pastors. And every example he listed, they had an inward issue, secret, a secret heart issue, where something got off in their spiritual health. And the cistern that was made to hold the, the water of the Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit, the wine of the Spirit, was cracked, and it was leaking and not effective, and it had no anointing on it. And out of that, that's how I felt. Like, I didn't have that terminology for it, but that's how it felt. I just felt resistance. I didn't feel right. And it it was for a, a continued period of time. And I feel it, but I'm not really addressing it, because after all, there's so much work to do. And you're doing all this work, and you, you know, you're, you're doing it, and it's like, turn on the hero again. Uh, It's Sunday, turn on the hero. And so, you know, it's the meat, turn on the hero. It's prayer time, turn on the hero. And so you go from the human to the hero. And, And out of that, the whole time I'm doing that, I can feel the flesh. It's not the spirit. There's not a grace on it. 
And so I'm feeling this, but I'm, I'm, I'm not really addressing it. And then we, we have a staff fellowship, and staff are coming over to the house, and we're throwing a, a little get-together for them. And my wife made lasagna. And so she called me, and she's like, can you take the lasagna out of the oven? And this was the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm taking the lasagna out of the oven, but it was in one of those metal pans that was real kind of flimsy, like it wasn't in a hard one. And so I only put a mitt on one hand. And I'm pulling it out thinking it's firm and it's not firm. And so I feel the lasagna about to like just completely collapse. And so I put my other hand, which is bare, underneath it to brace it. Because I'm like, I'm not letting this lasagna fall. It's just one of those moments where it just, you know, if it could go wrong, it did in that moment. And I did save the lasagna. Like it was a blessing. Yes, yes. Save the lasagna. People got to eat. And I, I put it on the, the, the counter in front of me, but it was like a moment that just kind of summed up how I felt. I was on edge. I was, I was, when, you, when you are finding it hard to, to keep a grasp on the fruit of the Spirit, you need to address the human in you. And I, I, I'd felt that for a while, and I felt it big time in that moment. And so my wife came home, and I told her, I'm like, if you can greet everybody when they come in, I said, I need to, I need to get away. I, need, I, I just need to get away. I don't need to be the hero right now. And because we feel that. Staff, like if you work, for, you, we feel that we've got to have it together. And so I, I went back to our bedroom, and um, I didn't have an office at that time. Still don't, really, at the house. Um, and so, but out of that, I just got in the shower, because that's like my space. I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but I'm like, no one can come in here, <laughs> you know, or interrupt, uh, and that kind of thing. So I'm there, and I just start talking to the Lord, and um, I admit to him, Something is not right. And I know it's not. And he led me to this passage of scripture in James. And I knew it, but let's look at it together. You know it too. But watch this and I'll close. If I can get some keys, that'd be great. This Mallory. James chapter 4. And watch this in verse number six. They'll have it on the screens. But he, he being God, gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. God opposes the proud. He gives a greater grace. He opposes the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Peter says the same thing. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will do what? He will exalt you when? In due time. What is exaltation? Emergence. So there is a due time for emergence, and it's going to come with the lifting of the Lord, because the place where you've got to get to in your high calling, only he can take you there. 
And so out of that, the way to get there is this path of humility. And what the, the Lord showed me was, what I had been operating under was a lack of his grace. When grace is there, the work is easy. When grace is there, the work is finding its rhythm. It's, 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 it's producing, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden. Something's wrong. Come unto me, and I will give you rest, for my burden is easy and light. And so out of this, there was, he, he starts dealing with me of like this resistance. You can't pray this one away. Like if it's the devil resisting you or people resisting you, you can take authority. God, deliver me from unreasonable and wicked people. You can come and you can do that. Um, you can, you can sow seed towards it. You can, you, you can speak to the storm when it's the devil resisting you. But sometimes it's not the devil. For God resists the proud. He will delay the work to save the worker. He will stop the work to address the worker. He will delay the dream to refine the worker. And these things are being addressed in this season. Because Jonah, it doesn't matter how much you try to speak to this storm. There's only one thing that gets it to stop. And it's yieldedness. For he gives more grace. He opposes the proud but he gives grace unto the humble. And I knew that moment, something in me had gotten into pride and he didn't tell me what it was. But I knew in that moment, this is not going away through me standing on the word and rebuking and binding. This is going away through submission. Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. God, resist the proud. Submit yourselves. There's something unsubmitted. And so I got dressed, turned on the hero, went and did the staff fellowship, came to my wife that night. We got into the bed and I told her, showed her the human. And I told her, we need to get away. We need to take a family vacation. We need to get away. Because one of the things the Lord told me is he said, you're tired. And so we went, I told her, I'm saying, we're going to the beach. And I rented a beach house. It was a bad idea because like, I'm like, we're going next week. That's how fast I want to address this. And it was the only one left open. I found why. Construction right by, flies in the house, problem. It's a problem. I'm like, Is, how long will this resistance last? I heard you. I'm here to find what it is. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, I laughed about that. We got it clean, got the flies taken care of. And we went down to the beach and I sat down, um, you know, in the, the chair and I'm watching my kids play in the sand and I'm on a journey by the spirit to find where I'm unsubmitted. Because I'm, I'm experiencing 
something in my public life that I know is about to manifest to everyone. And it's not something out here in the work, it's something in here in the worker. And so I'm just sitting on the beach, praying in the spirit. I'm like, Hebrews 12, what is it, Father? What is it? What area of my life needs to be disciplined? What area of my life needs to be seen and addressed? And after about a couple of hours, the Lord spoke to me. And I'm sitting underneath the umbrella because I am Pell. I don't know if you've noticed that. I'm so Pell, Aaron Hankins makes fun of me all the time. Like, I can't wear shorts around Aaron because he will point it out. He's like, welcome to the sun, legs. It's nice to see you. The sun greets you today. I'm like, you're such a good friend. (laughs) Nice calves, though. Nice calves. So... I'm sitting underneath the umbrella and the spirit speaks to me and I see it in a vision. And he shows me me standing on a hill with power and authority in my my hands, but I'm keeping it on this mountain for myself. And then it comes, it's like the camera comes behind me and I see other people out in the field Joshua's and God has made water come out of rocks for them but they're in the thick of a fight with enemies all around them and the Lord speaks to me and he says I've called you to be a Moses on a hill and I've given you strength that is not of you for just as Moses you were intimidated to walk in what I'm taking you to. And that's the truth. Public speaking was my biggest fear. And he said, I have given you strength, have I not? And I said, you have, Lord, you've given me strength. What you've done in our church, where we're at right now, it is you. You have given me strength. And he said, if you use that strength to only make your life better, and to only enrich yourself. You will grow weary and that is what is happening to you now. But if you will be a servant to Joshua's who are in the field, people who are in a fight, I delivered you from a fight and he did, but people who are in a fight, if you will serve them, make yourself of no reputation to them, Send them your power and your strength to the Joshua's who are in the field. You will not grow weary. But I will cause you to sit down and I'll send an Aaron and a Hur to come alongside either side of you and lift up your arms and your strength will continue. But you must send that strength to Joshua's who are in the field for that is your call. And I knew what he meant. It was missionaries, but it's also ministers that the Lord has given us strength. And when we do that, I'm to find missionaries and I'm to be generous. I'm to be good. I'm to be gracious. I'm to be a relief. I'm to water them, but also ministers. 
And that's why I'll never take an offering for this. You're not here to serve me. If I can take anything, and so that's my call to help you. If you're in a fight, I'm in it with you. I'll give you whatever I can give to get that strength to you. I'll give you my systems, my staff. Whatever I can give you, I will give you. It's my call. And I I took it that day. I took that call. I took that mandate. And I made that change. And I, I did not see the selfishness that was creeping up in my heart that was making it about me. And I made that one degree to boiling. One one degree to boiling. I made that heart adjustment. And we came home and I just started liberally supporting missionaries. What do you need? Done, 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 done. And a couple of months later, I invited Dennis Burke in to come speak at the church. And Dennis is speaking And the next Sunday, um, or the next Monday, so he spoke on Sunday, Monday, I get a phone call from um, a person in our church. And he says, I want to meet with you. And, you know, sometimes it's just never good. You know, like when people want to meet with you and they're like urgent about it, a lot of times it's like, are you about to leave? Because out of that, like, I don't know if I want this appointment. Like, you know, and it's just, you know, fool me once. Uh, You know, that kind of thing. So, you know out of that, like you just get phone calls like that. And oftentimes when it's like, we need to meet tomorrow, it's never blessing like that kind of thing. It's anyway. Uh, so, but I said, yes, like let's, let's meet. And they came in my office and just so gracious and so kind. And they talked and they said, what is owed on your church? What is owed on the church? And I told them and they said, when Dennis Burke was preaching, Um, the Lord put it on our heart to pay it off. And they slid a check across. Emerge. Not of the flesh, not Esau. Will you bless me now? Will you see me now? In a secret life, on a beach, wrestling, praying, what's wrong? Why is this resistance here? Why am I not seeing what I know I need to see? Why am I, what's, what's up? What's up? Tell me, show me. Whatever it is, I'll address it. This. This. One degree. Miracle. Not fought for, received. Not earned, given. And I could tell you story after story of when people saw the hero behind the hero was the human. Of something that was addressed in secret before it ever manifested in public. And I just sense so many of you are at this moment where there's just, just a one little degree that when it is adjusted in secret paves the way for something in public. And so tonight, I just, I want to have just a moment of consecration and just a moment of just the spirit of God, just helping us address those things. And I want to, to pray uh, corporately for us, 
for our missionaries who are here tonight because we do have not only pastors, we have missionaries and people who are here.